Welcome to I Caught It on Audio. This is Ride or Die Episode 6, Red Hot Chill Peppers, Part 2. Hello and welcome to I Got It on Audio, a 64 Tacos podcast. Today we're going to do another episode in our Ride or Die series. And this is going to be the second part of the Red Hot Chili Peppers Ride or Die. Uh, in the first part, we covered all of the albums from their debut Red Hot Chili Peppers through um, One Hot Minute. And today we'll be talking about the albums uh, Californication, By the Way, Stadium Arcadium, I'm With You, The Getaway, and then the two brand new ones, Unlimited Love and Return of the Dream Cantina. I think the notable thing we've uh, we've got going on here is we've got uh, John Frusciante back. Yes. Back with the band. He um, returned. <laughs> he returned after the Dave Navarro uh, guest appearance on One Hot Minute. Yes. Uh, Anthony Kiedis just uh, could not handle having someone more beautiful than him. So they had to get, he had and, to go. And Dave that's Navarro. fair. Yep. Yeah. If, you, if you're Anthony Kiedis and you are not the handsomest, most beautiful man in the band, you probably, uh, probably shouldn't be in the band. Yeah. Well, I'll get us started because uh, this is probably the album that I have the most to say about um, in this collection. And uh, I, I, I love this one, um, but it's such a bittersweet love because uh, the production and the um, like this is this is the first time I really learned about what the loudness wars actually were. Uh, and. <laughs> It's you, just you and your loudness wars. Well, it's it, it exists. It's real. Um, <laughs> yeah, ju- just like the moon landing, huh, Zach? Okay, so let, me, let me put it. <laughs> We're living on a flat Earth now. <laughs> um, the uh, let me put it another way. Okay, um, when I listened to this album numerous times on repeat, there were several times where. I went to check my speakers because I thought that they were blown from how, (laughs) how loud it was. Yeah. And it's, it's just, it's, it's distorted. There are parts that are actually distorted that are not supposed to be distorted. And it just doesn't make sense to me why that they would do that. And, and also I don't understand why they haven't gone back and like tried to do a full remaster from the originals to try and like bring it down and calm it down a little bit. And from what I've read, the, um, the record, the vinyl is actually probably the best sounding of this album because it had to be redone so that, um, you know, for that, for that format, for that medium. So that it could be stored on an analog medium. And also somebody different did it. Um, They had a different guy um, who did the uh, mastering for, um, for the CD version, that formatting. Um, or formatting maybe is what you call it but um but yeah no i I read that too and this is a great chili peppers album you could argue it's the best album but i I would argue that but yeah but man uh it's it it is and like there's the part of it where you're like okay why do all my newer cds sound so much louder than my older cds you know that's annoying or even if you if you like upload them onto your itunes or whatever the balance is all off. That's annoying. But like the clipping and the sort of like wall of like, there's nothing quiet on it, no matter what, there's no yeah. dynamic that that's, that's just like unpleasant sonically. And it does slightly undermine um, the enjoyment, uh, but it's hard to deny the songs are, are pretty they, great. They are really great songs. Um, I mean, f- you've got the, the, the hits, you know, or the, the singles, uh, you know, scar tissue, um, really cool guitar, uh, guitar soloing throughout, um, uh, Californication, uh, you know, around the world. Um, but even, even still like the, the non album tracks, like this has some of my favorite deep cuts on it, like, uh, Emit Remus and, mm-hmm. uh, Purple Stain. Um, it, it's just, uh, it's just so much fun. I, I really, really like the writing on this album. I, I feel like it's, it's the, um, essentially like a, a sequel or um, continuation of, of the style and the feeling that they were doing in blood sugar, sex magic. Yeah. Um, but then it just, it hits you so hard in the face with all of the the production issues. And there's even one song. Um, I think it might be, 
uh, Emit Remus, there's a part in there where it sounds like the, the, like the tape that they recorded it to got messed up or something. So it kind of like blurbs, like, like there's a part where Anthony Kiedis is singing and then it kind of blurbs in a strange way. Hmm. I mean, that's to do with so many... him singing. No, that's, his, <laughs> it's, that's not him singing on this one. Uh, to, and to, I... to be fair, like <laughs> describing his vocals as he blurbs intermittently, yeah. is, it's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. It's not inaccurate. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but I listened, I yeah. listened to that song so many times that I, it just, it like, it grates on me every time I hear that little thing. Cause it's like, how did that get past anyone? You know, it was least of all Rick freaking Rubin, you know? Right. Um, but it's just, it, it, it's, it, it's strange. It makes you think it was uh, intentional though. I, I don't know exactly what you're talking yeah, about. Maybe. But, um, yeah, I, mean, I don't that's think my there hope was anyway. a. <laughs> I don't think there was a second of this album that wasn't intentional, and it definitely feels that way. Yeah, uh, every, every every moment is very deliberate, but I absolutely love it. Like this, you, you put the CD in, and then you know it spins up, and all of a sudden, boom! It punches you in the face with "Around the World." You know, with the guitars and the and the drums and the bass all going full speed. The fuzzy bass, the way yeah, you know, yeah. that's oh, yeah. supposed to be distorted, and that's yep. okay. <laughs> and yeah. and I don't care that my speakers sound like they're getting blown out because I've already turned it up to eleven, and they probably are. You already I, blow, blew them <laughs> two seconds into that intro because it's yeah. so awesome. And then yeah, you just you just get to go on this fun ride throughout this the album with you know the what do we have five singles on this. Yeah. Um, that are all good, and I love listening to every single one of them. And then, yeah, you've got some great deep cuts on it too. Um, I didn't realize "Road Trippin" was a single. That must have been late. Yeah, um, like yeah, I don't remember I, that on the radio I at had, all. After I had already, you know, thoroughly listened to the album, um, I never owned this one. Um, I again, this is one that I married into, much like uh, "Dolphins Cry." Mm-hmm. Um, distance to <laughs> that's, hear. that's not com- quite compare a dolphin's but, cry to uh, around the world <laughs> yeah. a little bit, little bit different but yeah both, um, both good but this is this is clearly uh one of their one of their very best there's no doubt about it yeah and it's it's their best sell- selling i was really surprised that it outsold uh blood sugar sex magic um this, this one's is- got like 16 million well, and it, then it, it makes blood sense because sex magic has 14 million yeah, it was it was at a at a really good time where yeah. these these songs w- got really popular really fast and and it was also kind of uh, cr- cross genre if you will or right. I mean it was it was like it it not really cross genre but it it brought in a different type of audience it brought in some people that were you know maybe not necessarily knowing that much about Red Hot Chili Peppers that were like oh yeah I can get behind that you know so it yeah. was like it was just really mainstream really popular but it it um, blew up the charts and people were having a lot of fun with it I do have a, a tidbit from the uh, from the Kitas memoir um, so the the title track I, I don't really know about the naming uh, like if you know if they if they had that name um, Californication early on or not but the title track um, with the same name it was uh, something that Anthony had written um, pretty early on the lyrics and he really liked the ideas and the motifs that were going on in that song. But the band just every time they tried to make it kind of work with with the music, it never it never aligned. And it was getting really close to the end of the of the uh, album recording and they didn't have much time left. And uh, John Frusciante came running in and he's like, I've got a riff that I think will work for Californication. And he played it for them. And and they tried it and they worked it out and, and it, uh, it worked, it, it worked and they, they liked it. And, uh, and so that's, that's the kind of background story behind that song. And I think they probably liked it so much that they decided to name the album after it. Yeah. It could just be the satisfaction of finally getting it right. You know, right. kind of bumped to the top. Yeah. yeah. This is, um, this, this is also, um, this is, you know, an amazing, it's a, it's a, it's a top level first song for an album around the world is, oh, it's is maybe phenomenal. my favorite song on, on the whole album um classic like chili peppers like bonus outro which i always love when they do that like (laughs) any riff you're like oh is that the best riff in the song i don't know but it's like this (laughs) this free little bonus at the end um but yeah this one's really great i do think the first uh half is a little stronger than the second half definitely it does fade a little bit i never knew what the lyrics of purple stain were but i was kind of reading lyrics along as i went to various songs and i don't know that i needed a song about a 
period fingering. Yeah. But that's what it is. And I'm like, it, it was, it was better when you didn't know. Right? <laughs> yeah, It was a lot better when I didn't know uh, yeah. because and I'm like, come on, Ketis, like whatever. Like, like that's, there's you nothing t- wrong with that. Do what you, you want to do. If everyone's happy, do it. You I just don't know that we needed, talking yeah. about your dick and now you got to go. <laughs> And it's it's not like a it's not like it's a bad thing. He's not like he's not like you know performing statutory rape on a Catholic schoolgirl or anything. I'm not you know okay, that's good. Everyone probably. seems happy, but like probably not. But but come on, man, like that wasn't really not whatever. That's fine. Um, but yeah, it re- really really good album. Um, I, I I grew to enjoy the second half of the album more over time. The first half of the album just punches you in the face. It's just like this is these are some of their best songs ever. Mm-hmm. Really great. I'm not sure if it's my favorite album, but it is definitely up there. Um, uh, what, what else was it? What did I have on this? Um, oh, I, I always like um, I always like uh, uh, get on top because it's a fun shouty. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the shouty uh, later period Red Hot Chili Peppers songs where he's just like shouting the verses like crazy, kind of like one big mob. And there's there's a hundred yeah. other examples, but <laughs> I really enjoy that. Also, this has a great B side. Actually, titled "Get on Mop," Dan. Oh, is it get on mop? <laughs> it's uh, and really purple thing is about like you know, it's an unfortunate mopping incident, uh, probably. Um, but uh, yeah, this also has a great B side, Gong Lee, um, that they didn't oh, put yeah. on the album. Oh, right. Um, and I did want to note uh, too, um, Frushanti is a great and important part, like of the sort of alchemy that gets them their best sound. Um, but he does feel a little, he's very restrained on this album. Like yeah. his soloing is very pulled back. Um, it's, it's great. I love, I love it. But um, I'm, and we're about to move to the next album, by the way, but he really starts to, um, f- I think, feel more comfortable. I was reading that he was sort of feeling his way in because he had uh, had a lot of um, addiction issues during the, during the nineties after he left the band the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he was, he was kind of coming back partly because flea was trying to get him, get him to save his life, you know, like to bring him back. And he, he felt like he needed to be part of the group and he was able to come, come to terms through like rehab and stuff with being famous and, um, you know, sort of having that musical interaction be an important part of his life. Um, and so it's awesome that he's back, but you can tell he's, he's not like, going for it 100 quite yet he's 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 restrained slightly i think trying to trying to sort of feel his way in yeah there i have a, another quick tidbit from about that um when they when he finally did come back uh he didn't even have a guitar at all <laughs> they had to go and find him a guitar to start playing with them again um that's how like out of you know dealing with bands and music and stuff he had he had been so then he, he and once he came back in and they started they started jamming and found him something to play on yeah i, I you're exact you're totally right that what was happening was you know he had to sort of like come come back into it and come find find the magic again <laughs> Next, we've got By The Way, which came out in uh, July of 2002. So we're three years of space between these two, which I think is a good thing they started doing where they waited more than a year to record their next album. We've got Rick Rubin again. We've got John Frusciante and the, the other th- three guys as their mainstay. And when, um, when this I, – I didn't own this album, and neither did my wife – but I knew what a third or half of it from the radio. It seemed like, yeah, Just, there, there. Uh, by the way, can't stop. I remember Zephyr's song from the radio. I think universally speaking, even I bought this album when it came out. Um, I was in college Dost. at the time. Uh, Dost yeah, was Dost a was also one. a single. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't really remember that one from the radio. That's, that's a really cool song. Um, this, this is actually possibly my favorite Chili Peppers album. Um, it's I, I. I, it's hard to argue that it's better than Californication or Blood Sugar Sex Magic on one level because those are much more classic, you know, the really big, well-known songs, like really well-known around that one. Those are like the huge crossover ones. But um, I just find that I love, like, Fushani, as restrained as he was on uh, Californication, he does not, he just completely lets go and does go just goes for it on this album um, to the point where, I think uh, Flea felt a little uh, shouldered out of the way. Uh, I, I was reading a little bit that Flea was like, I felt like my input wasn't valuable because he was basically sort of taking over most of the melodic songwriting. 
Um, and also he, he completely goes for it, like with guitar solos and like, or not, not so many guitar solos on this one, but like, he just, it just, he feels really present like on this album. Um, and he does a ton of, ton of really cool, interesting stuff. And there's, there's just a bunch of great songs. I found it interesting that they had that little string intro on midnight. That's not something they've really done too much with. Um, Mm -hmm. and then, um, the other thing I really noticed in this album is you saw it on Californication, but they really incorporate um, John Frusciante's backup backup vocals and almost like a doo-wop style, like the sort of yeah. like Beach Boysiness, um, which I think makes it really cool. Um, this this is this is an album that I think um, it's it's even better than I remembered when I went back and listened to it. I, I really really enjoyed it. Yeah, I was pleasantly surprised with it. Um, honestly, I. If I didn't know Californication so well, um, having having owned it and you know listened to it over and over again, I would have thought that this was just like a second more of Californication, only only like like more in quantity and also in in songwriting and uh, and all that. It's it's just like it's the next natural progression for them. Um, like you said, uh, for Shanti's guitar parts and then also including his singing was was really cool. Um, I don't think I quite liked it better than Californication, but that may be because uh, I owned Californication and not this one. Yeah, I don't think it's it's quite as consistent of a package as Californication, but that's okay because what I really like about it is the the experimentation stuff. You know, like and by the way, when he's doing that sort of, tra- it sounds almost like a chugga chugga of a train. You know, like there's also that really cool scrapey scrape thing going on where I think he's just like kind of raking the pick across the 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 strings very very slowly in "Don't Forget Me." And then, and it just kind of like, he does that for like the verse and then it's when it gets to the end of it, then he starts to kind of play a little something. It's just really inventive, cool stuff that, uh, that I, I was, you know, excited when I heard it the first time and it's still, you know, in, it's still enjoyable, uh, even re-listening to it, um, multiple times. There are some songs on the back end that are, that are just kind of like, meh, I, you know, I could, I could do without these, but I feel like that's kind of their, their style is like, they just, yeah. <laughs> Throw everything, they throw everything on the front of the album and then whatever's left over gets just kind of pit, pinned on the back and yeah. they don't edit themselves quite enough they 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 could just drop two or three songs and the the overall album would be stronger yeah yes, this, this is a real theme going and, forward yes. you generous with two or three when we get to the next album right but. yes i also kind of like the uh like the synth stuff on like warm tape um oh yeah that's it, a cool it was one. it was kind of branching cool. out beyond you know yeah, just yeah. the regular instrumentation and, and but even when they were using the regular instrumentation they were kind of doing new new different things as well especially with the with john's guitaring also interestingly um one other song i wanted to mention you're right warm tape is a really cool one but the uh the song on mercury i was like am i am i listening to a ska band for a little bit there like <laughs> it actually it's it's almost a ska song yeah but yeah, yeah 16 songs is just a little a little too much I think we'll we'll talk about this maybe a little more as we go forward, but I think where they run into trouble is number one, they they put they always write like thirty or thirty five songs for every, every album it seems like, and then they pare pare it down quote unquote to sixteen, which is kind of insane, right? But I think they suffer a little bit, not because of the uh, instrumentation, but Anthony Kiedis has become like a good or a distinctive or like he's found a way to be a, a good singer. Like, but what he isn't is um, he, he isn't particularly varied. He's kind of simplistic in his melodies. He's always singing in the same sort of like three or four note range on pretty much every song. And he follows yeah. either the bass line or the guitar almost yep. note for note. And he does really well considering his limitations. Yeah. And I, it's like when it works, it works gangbusters. But his same vocals, like 16 songs in a row, by the end, you're like, you know, it's not like you, you dislike it. You're like, this is a good song. Uh, but also it kind of reminds me of all the other songs that I just heard yeah. vocally. Uh, he has a few different like tricks he pulls out and that helps enough. But I think that that becomes a particular problem when we go to Stadium Arcadian because uh-huh. it's 28 songs and um, that is 
that is a, a whole lot of red hot chili peppers right in a row. Yeah. It's, so, yeah. so this stadium Arcadium, you know, came out what three years later again, four years later again. We still got uh, Rick Rubin producing. Still got the four main guys, uh, you know, playing. Why is it twenty eight songs? I mean, we've, <laughs> it it's possible to release a double album. When when we did our Smashing Pumpkins, uh, Ride or Die, I think all of us agreed that melancholy was probably the best album of the set and man they sure nailed that with 28 you know 30 i don't remember how long that was 28 28 also yep yeah and they it was 26 amazing songs and two songs that james e sang on Mm -hmm. um yep I like 26 but, of those so- 28 songs, but I don't yeah, think I, I can love say 26 of them. And then the other two <laughs> yeah. are also there. Yep. Um, it's it's but, okay for James this, to do his I mean, thing. Stadium, <laughs> Sorry, James. You've, you've got the five hits and they're all fine. Um, Danny, California, tell me, baby, any, any one of these could have been on, you know, uh, by the way, or Californication. They're, they're not particularly different from the general theme of those two albums. Um, but then, why why are you making such a long album? Yeah. It, it's yeah. it was really like I could not believe that I wasn't through the album. Yeah. You know, every time I would you know put the put the phone back, connect the Bluetooth to the stereo again. It's like why isn't this album done? Yeah. It just keeps going and going and going. It's the yeah. Energizer Bunny of of uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers albums. And, and it would uh, be one thing if there was any diversity in it, but it's yeah. it's just the same the, thing over and over again. The experimentation and stuff from By the Way is gone. It's yep. not. There's nothing here. And uh, I was actually really surprised that I liked more of this, more of the non you know single songs than than I had remembered. Because um, when the album came out. It was it was like oh double album okay you know so I, I listened to I listened to it a bit but I just really didn't spend a whole lot of time with it and kind of just left it left it to the side but you know there's some interesting stuff going on on some of the other songs like Charlie Animal Bar especially in Michigan um, but again it's it always comes back to did it need to be this many songs this long and this one this one is by far the clearest one of all of their albums that was that's like no no like you you have some good songs and you have some okay songs and then you need to get rid of the rest right and and uh and they could have had a pretty decent solid single album and been fine Um, right it's like you've got your five hits which are all enjoyable you've got a few good you know album tracks that are really cool and then put three or four more other songs on there for you know 12 14 tracks total and you're and you're good yeah just cut it yeah yep. uh, I, I agree it's 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 a bigger problem than than on the previous album because there's almost twice as many songs as on the previous album and you're right they did sort of there's some variety but there's it's it's less than on by the it, way it's not 28 songs worth of variety though no I'll, right I'll say that much there's, there's yeah. more there's more variety and by the way and there's fewer songs than by the way so it really it really jumps out I did think certain things were cool, like on Ready Made's a really cool song. Um, uh, I like the sort of um, the sort of like Zeppelin esque, like you know, big like seventies rock sound, which mm-hmm. isn't something they normally do. I thought that was cool mm-hmm. um, as for a little variety. Um, yeah, Animal was a cool. Uh, it's got a cool bassline on it. Um, the one thing about Danny California, which is one of my least favorite singles from their hot chili peppers <laughs> that someone pointed out at one point was you know that's that's just the verse from mary jane's last dance and i was like no that was those songs are totally different uh-huh. and yeah. then i listened to it and i was like no it's just the verse from mary jane holy crap it's exact like the strumming pattern's the same it's, it's a complete <laughs> right. ripoff which whatever that's fine i mean songs are going to cross over but yeah the singles are mostly good i like hump to bump um although i don't like saying the, the those words out loud in a row now say it again say it again that's all you get uh, but yeah snow snow has a really cool guitar riff um yeah. like it's uh it's 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 there's lots of good stuff in here i just i don't need this much of it um it, i i will say that uh the thing that sort of saves the album somewhat is john Fushani like is like fine i'm gonna be like a guitar hero and play like 
insane solos over the top of all these songs, which which he does. And I think um, one of the things I didn't know, but um, kind of makes it all make sense is I, I knew this, but I didn't put it together, was that he um, he had started showing up on Mars Volta albums in about 2004, I think, or three yeah. with the Louse at the Comatorium. And that is a band that does not do like restraint. Yeah. And uh, Omar Rodriguez Lopez, the sort of band leader and guitar player, does not do guitar restraint. He just goes for it. And I feel like that sort of uh, bled off onto um, onto Frusciante, and he really, really goes for it, which is cool. Like, he, there's so many cool John Frusciante guitar parts in this album, but, like, it sort of gets all muddied down uh, by the sort of just the monotony of the, the vocal styles and the way this, a lot of the songs sound exactly the same. It is interesting to note that um, Omar Rodriguez Lopez did play the solo on Red, uh, uh, especially in Michigan, which I did not know at all till I was just reading about this, um, uh, getting ready for this for the podcast here. But that's kind of cool. Um, but yeah, it's just it's too much. That's that's my take on Stadium Arcadium. Give me the top ten or twelve songs. And, um, you know, I'm good with that. What, what I found is this is this and by the way, and and California Cajun, this whole period of their of their um, of their existence and especially going forward, um, these albums have real highs and very few lows. They, there used to be a bunch of songs in every Chili Peppers album that I was like, oh, God, I don't want to hear this ever again. Right. They sort of eliminated that. But starting with the next album. Um, I think in particular, when, when if we're ready to move on to the next one, um, yeah. I'm with you. Um, you started to get almost no lows, but almost no highs at the same yeah. time. Like, you could put any of these albums on, and I'd be like, this is fine. But, like, I'm not excited about very many songs. Um, the big change with I'm With You is, of course, that um, this time, amicably, Frusciante decided to go off and pursue his sort of solo stuff and do other things. So right. they brought in um, Josh Klinghoffer, who had been a touring uh, guitar player and keyboard player with them and was a friend of Frusciante. So it was a pretty natural uh, sort of transition. Um, and uh, so there's there's some differences in sound and the guitar and stuff. But this is the first uh, one where I'm like, this is very blah. <laughs> Not exactly bad. I mean, I liked, you know, that the uh the maggie rain dance song just fine um when i heard it on the radio um you start to get some piano stuff from flea and that's cool um some more like trumpet you know solos from flea and stuff that's good but i i had i had real trouble finding any songs that i was excited about on this album what, what, what did you guys think i i was bored on my mind by this point um I didn't recognize any of the any of the hits. Uh, what was it? Brennan's death song, um, "Monarchy of Roses," "Adventures," "Brain Dance," "Maggie." I didn't recognize any of those. Um, honestly, I thought the whole album was like you, much like you. I thought it was kind of blah. It it didn't have any, anything that made me want to just you know throw the phone out of the window like um, the early <laughs> stuff did. But yeah, I I can see why this one only sold two point two million, and I say only because that's still a it's still a ton of albums, but compared to the seven million and the nine million and the sixteen million in the albums prior to it, yeah. this to one be, I to be would fair, imagine it's a, not nobody, a very successful album. Nobody sells a lot of albums anymore. Um, like yeah, the, the decline well, of album sales had already begun but, at that I mean, point. The, these numbers that I found were are including. Um, I mean, it's not physical albums. It it includes yeah. everything, right? But it, I, I I don't think any band still produces the same number. Well, part of it is rock is not as fashionable and uh, popular, but it, I think overall people get music in a bunch of different ways, and it doesn't always get. I don't know. That's just my impression, but. Um, and, and and it should sell less than those albums because it's 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 not as good, but um I, I think uh, I don't I don't think it's entirely fair to directly compare because just we're in a new era after Californication, everything right around like the early two thousands there when um when Napster started blowing up and all that stuff like 
I think uh, it's it's hard to just to, to to know exactly how how to compare album sales. But anyway, your point your point F- being fair or not, I've compared them. You, you've, <laughs> you've done it. Um, I, I, I think this album was still fairly successful, though. You, you know, like the the, the comparison aside, because um, like their their last two albums, unlimited unlimited love and return of the dream canteen, um, those sold barely like 500,000 somewhere like a hundred thousand, 500,000, something like that. And they were like, number one, the number one uh, album for that (laughs) when they came out. So, um, yeah, you're, you're, you're right that the, the, the decline of album sales and the, the, you know, how we measure the success of an album is rapidly changing through, through this time period. Um, so the, you know, what looks like it was, it was a decline because of quality is probably not actually what it was. There are a lot of factors going into it. I don't have quite the distaste that I think you guys do for this because I listen to some John Frusciante and Josh Klinghoffer stuff uh, independent of this of this album or this era. And I really like what John Josh does um, with his guitar and stuff. And I, and I think there's some cool things on here with like uh, disco and there's like some disco tinged um, bits and some and some piano stuff going on there. Like you said, um, I really like the, the song called even me Brutus. Um, it has yep. a very different type of vocal style. It's, it's almost like Anthony is like sh- shouting or, or like, um, kind of like this kingly, like I'm telling you how it is type of thing. Um, and there's some cool guitar work on that one. Um, but you, but you guys are both right that it's, it's, it doesn't have, the same type of emotional impact or high high points that like oh yeah i need to go back and listen to that like if if i don't hear the adventures of rain dance maggie for five years i'm not gonna i'm not gonna be bothered you know i don't know that i haven't listened to it (laughs) right um whereas like i I, I gotta listen to scar tissue pretty regularly i gotta (laughs) you know i gotta listen to um uh, by the way, periodically, uh, I have to listen to around the world. You know, those are, those are tracks that are, are going to come up whether, whether I like them or not, you know, like my subconscious is going to be like, Oh, it's time for that one. (laughs) Um, and that, and that's missing here. Like there's, there's some sort of, some sort of quality level. And while you, while you guys were talking, I was thinking it's almost like they put their, their um songwriting through a compressor you know like a compressor just like compresses down the the audio spectrum so that you know everything well, they, they is basically the same is what they did right you're not yeah. getting the highs and you're not getting the lows there you go yep. but it's it's you're always you know manageable it's They're just much, this middle yeah. ground that they think may you know they i don't know if they think it consciously or not but it's like this is what the audience wants this is what we're going to do to, to remain successful but from a, a music standpoint from a enjoyment of the listener it just it just doesn't do do it for me on, on this one yeah i would say there there is some some i agree that it's interesting to for me to listen to how it's different from a frusciante um chili peppers album and i don't have any real complaints about josh klinghoffer um no, it's I, a little different and it's and it's and it's good and he fits in well i don't i don't think it's and it's really a problem it's certainly not a massive striking distance uh, striking difference like what what it was with um dave navarro you know. Right. Yeah. And but and also, I think the thing that speaks a little bit for him, too, is that I don't know that there's a, a much of a bump up in these last two albums that we'll get to a little bit later, like the two albums with right. Offer. Yeah, I, I, I can't say that they're worse than the two new albums with Frusciante, but we'll, right. we'll, we'll get there. Let, um, let's yeah. move on to the getaway. Let's, let's um, get into the getaway. Yeah. So they gosh, it was five years between I'm with you and the getaway. Um they got uh, Danger Mouse yep. to produce it, and we've still got Bye-bye Josh Rick Rubin. Yeah, yep. not yeah, no more, no Rick Rubin well, for that one. Uh, what I read was that um, Klinghoffer and Rubin didn't really see eye to eye on stuff, um, and that Good. was part of the reason that they they went to a different route. I'm and okay honestly, with that. it's kind of nice to hear a different a different sort of tonality. It, it was though. I hated that I had to turn the volume up because you know, we were, we didn't have that loudness wars effect. Um, gosh, that really sucked. Yeah. I'd rather, I'd rather my speakers sound blown. <laughs> um, this, this one was fine. Again, I, I don't think it's much different than I'm with you. 
Um, Go Robot was kind of cool. Yeah. But, but other than that, I didn't. Yeah. Nothing well, really stood out one way or the other for me. Yeah. Go Robot was like a disco funk song, which I thought was <laughs> yeah. like, oh, yeah. this is cool. Yeah. Um, um, I really like the Dark Necessities. I think that's the one of the singles or maybe the first single. Yeah, that and was it, the first one. It has a real feeling of space. And um, I think as Klinghoffer plays a really cool guitar solo y part at the end, the sort of like descending. Um, pattern of notes i think that that really jumped out i think that's cool it was weird hearing the drum sound not be um rick rubini um <laughs> like i love that sound um the chad smith normal sound but it was this the, the drums on here are definitely a lot more reverby and muddy sort of not as as present and dry you know um and it, it was it was a little bit strange i did think it was kind of fun to hear uh um uh, the song Detroit, I was kind of like, oh, this this sounds like a much better version of the 80s version of Red Hot Chili Peppers. Like mm-hmm. if they were actually good, then, you know, right. like this is this is what they would have sounded like. Um, and I think that we were talking about the sort of blahness, the, the low highs, no lows, the sort of everything's pretty good sound. I think it's because they're much better musicians and songwriters. But they've written so many songs that they, they don't have a lot of original creative ideas. They've run out of things to say. Yeah. yeah which it, is a danger for anybody who's yeah. doing the same thing well, for, for that long. They're what, 30, almost 30 years in. At, uh, uh, at this point, they'd be about 25 years in to their career. So it's like, uh, yeah. Oh, almost 35. Wait, 2016. Are, are you better at math? Than 83. Me? <laughs> I don't know. Do you have a device near you that can do it for you? Yeah, um, no, you're right. But yeah, like 30 plus years. And like, and that's, there's no shame in that. Um, no, and that's why some that's bands awesome. completely changed their sound because they're like, I have to do something different because I got nothing else to say here. Right. And that's why band members leave because they've, you know, they've run out of things to yeah. say to do with this band. I, you know? I guarantee you in, in an album or two for Shawnee's going to be like, I think I'll go do my own thing again. Yeah. yeah. Which is, which is fine. Like I'm, I, that, I understand that, but um, so I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to be too critical because they're, they're a band who's still producing quality material, you know, this late on and like, they've really gotten rid of their, their stinker songs. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's really admirable, but you know, it, there's just a lot of sameness. And again, part of this is the cutest thing. Uh, but yeah, I think this, this one was more interesting than I'm with you. I, I'm with you. I was, I was like, it's cool. Cause it's different because there's a different guitar player, but like, it's not that different. This one has a different like sonic palette. And that was interesting. And it feels like Klinghoffer's more present in the songs. Probably because yeah. he feels more confident after, you know, sliding into a band that's been right. around for, you know, that are part of 30 years, the first and, to go around. But. And Danger Mouse producing it. and yeah, Somebody new. And that's cool. Um, but yeah, anything else uh, you have, Zach? So or- I, I've got one more thing on this. Okay. Um, unless, Zach, do you have something else? No, no, I okay. don't. So for, we haven't touched on this at all throughout this series, I don't think. But I, I needed to say something in this one. The cover art for The Getaway might be my favorite album cover ever. Mm-hmm. you've got this little girl just trotting down the s- sidewalk with a bear a raccoon, <laughs> and what's this a crow sitting on a pole you know there's graffiti all over the wall I, I don't know what it is but i absolutely love this album cover yeah. Yeah. it's a it's painting like, i think is um, it okay yeah uh i i remember seeing something about that when i was reading up but yeah it's re- it is really cool they it's have so some- cool and you you look back at Stadium Arcadium and you're like, what what sort of like, what sort of crappy like pixel art, you know, like, you know, or uh, or clip art, you know, album album is this? And the interesting thing about uh, Stadium Arcadium is they hired um, Strom Thorgerson, the guy that did all those Pink Floyd albums with uh, Hypnosis, okay. um, yeah. and then they like looked at a bunch of his ideas and they're like, nah. Let's do this other thing. So they went with somebody else. <laughs> I don't know who did it, but they made the most boring album cover you could imagine. Right. Uh, yeah. Whoever whoever made this album cover, good for you. That was it's awesome. I absolutely love it. It's a uh, it's a painting by Kevin Peterson. I just found right. that um, called Coalition Two, which is a cool <laughs> title for that. But yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, it, you're right. It, it is cool. Mm-hmm. All right. And then we've got the not a double album, um, Unlimited Love, and then Return to the Dream Cantina. Um, 
which just came out uh, in April and October of last year. Uh, I believe they were recorded at the same time. Yes, they were. Yep. Um, well, I'll tell over, you real quick. Um, they recorded the same time. They recorded 50 songs and they yeah. wanted to put out 40 of them on a seven disc set of EPs. <laughs> and the record company was like, nah, let's not do that. Uh, so then they compromised by saying, we'll release two albums this year. Um, and two CDs, and they only put 34 songs on them. That was the compromise. Yeah. So, so yeah, that's, you know, that's, they were all, they were, it's all from the same session for sure, but go ahead. Yeah. So we've got Rick Rubin back in the studio again. We've got John Frashanti back on guitar. Um, it definitely has that feel, you know, back to, back to that era. But again, it's, it's more of watered down, you know, not much that's terribly interesting to me, if I'm being honest. Um, but again, nothing that's terribly offensive either. So I don't know. I don't know that I need it anymore. Yeah. It's both of these are quite bland. Um, that, you know, the, the singles or the, uh, it was a black, black summer was the single on the, on unlimited love. And then these are the ways, um, I've, I've heard aquatic mouth dance, more more times than me just listening to it myself so i feel like that's kind of like maybe, how is that possible I, well i don't know i don't know if it's if it's just like a fan favorite or whatever but i i know i've heard it places um that i've been uh you know like on the overhead speaker whatever the maybe it maybe it gets play on on one of the um serious xm uh radio stations or something i don't know okay. but um I mean, uh, it's like nothing, nothing is that, uh, terrible. Nothing's that great. Nothing. It just, it all just kind of blends together. And, um, uh, I think there, there was that song, uh, in the snow on return of the dream canteen. That that was the last track. That's just, it's, it's different enough. Mm -hmm. Um, but I like, even on that one that had to, uh, what two two singles tip of my tongue and uh the drummer i don't i can't even remember what those ones were so no um yeah, yeah i would say uh, for me of the two i much prefer return to the dream canteen i had trouble i was taking notes on on the stuff sort of getting prepped up this morning like as, as i kind of went back quick back through the album sort of checking in i'm like oh yeah that's right uh, I found very little to write about on, on unlimited love. Um, really black summer here ever after. And the great apes were the only songs that I was like, Oh yeah, I remember that. That, that was like from listening to it recently. Um, but they weren't great. Um, they all kind of run together. It's very samey sounding. I yep. found that return to the dream canteen um, had more variety for me. Like there was a sort of like, uh, was it reach out had like a sort of almost like a grunge guitar tone, which is, I found strange. Um, cool solo in Eddie. What else do it? What I noticed? Yes. Eddie, um, I did. I did make a note that Eddie was pretty, had a cool solo in it. Yep. There's awesome instrumental. And that's the thing. There's some really cool instrumental things going on in, in, and honestly all what seven of these albums um, that we're talking about, but Ketis has run out of things to say and do. Just yeah. there's nothing left for him to. Yeah, he's very, just, he's very polished in his in what he does now. Yeah, like he it feels much more like he's confident and knows what he can do. Unfortunately, it's not enough things to keep it interesting. I mean, we may have done a disservice to these albums by listening to them all back to back in one. You know, if we sort of interspersed them with the earlier stuff, we might have been like, you know, oh this this album's really good. I really love the Getaway mm-hmm. compared to you know. Uh, the uplift mofo party plan or something well yeah i do with that perspective yes i do love yeah. to get away well we, yeah. we, ended up, we ended up blocking off 120 songs and the the, the back i don't know like 75 to 80 do not have a ton of variety no um uh, I did i did think it was interesting that they did some sample either they were they were either samples or they were they they process the drums to sound like samples on a couple of songs like my cigarette and uh in the snow um 
I thought that Copper Belly had a really cool like double stop bass part that went went underneath this really over like super over the top like uh, feedbacky guitar solo that jumped out because it was sonically different. Um, also, I found that Carry Me Home was like the first um, Chili Pepper song I thought was basically a blues song and like mm, yeah add like blues guitar tone to like the soloing and that, that sort of feel so i guess what i'm saying is of the two albums things jumped out on return of the dream canteen yeah very little jumped out on unlimited love i don't know that uh return of the dream canteen is that much better than unlimited love but unlimited love is maybe the most um sort of like indistinguishable album that they've ever put out where i'm just like I, I don't know. It's I can't really say bad stuff about it, but you know, and any of these albums that we listen to this this stretch, starting with Californication, if they popped up randomly while I was listening to stuff, like a few songs from them, I'd be like, oh, okay, cool. Like I would I don't dislike many of the songs. Yeah. I don't know if I dislike specifically any of the songs. Right. I just find them non-essential. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I would much rather listen to any one of these albums you know like after californication um rather than like freaky styly or the self-titled one or uplift mofo party plan uh this there you know the the music is good enough (laughs) yeah yeah absolutely if if i want red hot chili peppers i'm probably going to go to you know californication blood sugar sex magic and i mean even even one hot minute um yeah i mean honestly for me Blood Sugar Sex Magic, One Hot Minute, Canifornication, and by the way, that's that's all you need. Yeah. Like, I, I could get by with just those four albums. If you could give me an edited down stadium Arcadium and a greatest hits of the first four albums, uh-huh. cool. And then maybe, like, maybe a compilation of I'm With You, The Getaway, Unlimited Love, and Return of the Dream Canteen, sort of a summary of hey, these are the best ones, but I, I could yeah. live without that too. Same as I could live without the first four albums outside of higher ground. Yeah. Um, yeah. From blood sugar, sex magic to, by the way, fantastic, you know, from 91 to 2002, they just, I, I, I really do love all the four of those albums, but that's so Dan, that, are, yes, you, are you ride or die? You know, I, okay. I, I, I think no. Um, but also your your idea of what if they had just worked and not put out albums for the first until basically they until right before if, Blood Sugar Sess Magic, then what, I, if what hits was their first album. Yeah. If 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 you could like distill the best of yeah, like what hits and made that their first album, and then you you just edited them down and, and took their best thirty percent of songs from stadium arcadium on i could be ride or die um but i i I don't find the need to go back to most of these albums it's really just blood sugar sex magic through um through by the way and i do really like the best of stadium arcadium like the best ones i think some of those are are sort of essential but i'm not 28 songs i'm talking like four out of 28 songs are essential you know so then what is your one album you take with you your your desert, desert island album. Oh, that's that's awfully awfully hard. <laughs> I mean, I I know I said maybe Californication's not my my favorite album, <laughs> but the highs of Californication are just the best highs. Um, I think I like by the way, maybe front to back a little more. But if you t- if I, you told me I couldn't ha- listen to Around the World, um, and Californication and Scar Tissue, like. Right, I would have trouble being like, yes, but by the way, is a more consistent album for me. I'd be like, yeah, Blood Sugar Sex Magic's right there too. Like, and honestly, like the first half of like the first seven songs of One Hot Minute are right <laughs> up there too. It's really, it's really hard. I think if I had to, I'd go Californication. Zach, are are you ride or die? I am. I am not ride or die. No. Uh, the the way what it comes down to for me is like, am, will I listen to a new album from this band that the day that it comes out? And no, I, I'm like I I, tr- I tried with Return of the Dream Canteen, and 
No, it's, I'm, I'm, if, if anything, I'm going to delay it and probably not listen to it for like months or years. Yeah. <laughs> um, but for me, like Californication, I think even with all of its problems, I think the writing is just so good on it. Um, I would probably go with uh, Blood Sugar Sex Magic if Soul to Squeeze were on that. Yes. Um, but uh, since it's not, uh, I think Californication is, is where, where I'm at. That's uh, your one, your, your which, Desert Island Right. Album. Yes. Which which is saying something, considering how much I hate the <laughs> the, the loudness and the oh, um, loudness, the loudness wars. Yes. Yes. <laughs> well, I'll just Dave, make sure Dave, Dave doesn't really remember what it is, so you have to remind him periodically. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, I I am definitely not ride or die. Um, I I don't I don't need any any new Red Hot Chili Peppers. I'd like you, Zach. They're definitely not a band I would seek out. Um, but. I loved the Chili Peppers in the 90s. And if I had to pick a Desert Island album, gosh, uh, it would be Californication. Yeah. I just love Around the World. Honestly, I love it. I, it's what, 15 tracks? I love every single one. Um, I, or I will listen. I, I enjoy listening to every single one. And the ones that are good are just so good. And I, I guess I could probably say that about Blood Sugar Sex Magic also. Yeah, and like, like you, Zach, if it had Soul to Squeeze on it. Yeah. <sighs> yep. The only problem with Blood Sugar Sex Magic is there's like three or four songs I'm like, skip you know yeah. that's that's the only weakness of blood sugar sex magic that and the lack of soul to squeeze yeah. um and that's also the weakness of one hot minute once i get to the end i'm like man i don't care um yeah. but yeah californication i i think i think so i think that's got to be the essential one yeah it is and but yeah i think one hot minute would be my secret favorite it yeah. is if i those first those first seven songs are so good so good yeah all right um Anything else you guys have on the Red Hot Chili Peppers? Anything we missed? Well, Dave, remember when we were watching football a few weeks ago and I was like, you know, Red Hot Chili Peppers are both better and worse than I remember. Like yes. that was that was my take. Like, yeah. you know, they're a bit of a punching bag sometimes as a band, you know, uh, for their sort of obvious, like, you know, sort of misogynistic or not always misogynistic, <laughs> but like dubious lyrics. Um, and they're sort of like, right. you know, like a sock on penis, you know, no shirts required, uh, for anything, uh, attitude. Yeah. And they're sort of like dumb frat boy party chanting, like the people that like red hot chili peppers can be pretty annoying, but man, they're so good at their best. Yep. Um, but at yeah. their worst, it really doesn't work. Yep. Well, all right. There you have it. No one is ride or die for the red hot chili peppers. Um, Californication is definitively the best album they've ever released. And that brings us to an end on this uh, podcast. I think up next, we are going to be doing the white stripes, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, look for that one someday. And thanks for listening. I caught it on audio. <laughs> <laughs>